The winner is. 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 And the winner is. What's the like of seeing your luggage? Sometimes. That means sometimes. There can be a hundred people in a room. Maybe there is right now. I know it's tuna, but it, it says chicken. I don't know her. She always has these long lists of like diva demands. Cheetos and Doritos. Great gowns, beautiful gowns. I understand you embrace the term diva. Hello, divas, divos, and divs. Welcome back to another episode of Diva Dailies. This is a podcast where we deconstruct divas on film, TV, and in music. I am your host, Steffi. And before we get into the actual episode, we got to do some housekeeping stuff. So if you're interested in following the pod, you can follow us at Diva Dailies Pod on Twitter slash X, Instagram, um, TikTok, threads and if you want to email us we're divadailiespod at gmail.com now this is the time when i would normally introduce uh the other co-host of this pod angie but she was not able to record the intro with me this week and that's okay so if you want to follow angie on her socials she's at poetry soul 3 on twitter and at angie.simone on Instagram and her YouTube channel is Sleepy Nerd Productions. But yeah, it's just basically going to be me for the intro, which shouldn't take too long. Uh, if you are returning from last week, we are still in the middle of our Lauren Hill, Miseducation of Lauren Hill journey. And in this episode, we're going to finish up talking about the album going track by track. So if you didn't listen to last week's episode, definitely make sure you listen to that before you listen to today's episode because that was like the first half of the album and this is now the second half of the album that we're going to be talking about. But yeah, I think that's pretty much it. So without further ado, here we go. Past me and Angie talking about the miseducation of Lauren Hill. Hope you guys enjoy. All right, here we go. Track nine, I used to love him, featuring Mary J. Blige. And I used to love him. I used to love him. Love him. But now I don't. I used to love him. But now I don't. Steffi. I just think, you know, like we were saying earlier, I just think it's so cool that she got Mary J. Blige. Mary J. Blige. <laughs> Mary J. Blige. <laughs> Please welcome to the stage, Miss Mary J. Blige. I hope people really know what you're referencing. Because <laughs> I've made that reference so many, times, so many times on this podcast with like absolutely no context. <laughs> Like, when I'm on Final Cut Pro and I'm editing, like, I can see who is saying that. But for listeners who, obviously, audio, they can't see what I'm seeing. They're probably like, why does she keep saying Mary J. Blige? Please welcome to the stage, Miss Mary J. Blige. Oh, That's Whitney Houston, by the way, yes. introducing Mary J. for a performance. But I just think it's so cool that she got Mary J. Blige yeah. on this album. like an alternate reality where this song could have just gone to mary j yes absolutely one million percent see she knew how to pick the people that were appropriate for absolutely the song and the album one million percent you know i only work with people who i really appreciate because to me you know if i don't do that then it doesn't really make sense because i treat you know i treat it like um like i'm a fan you know what i mean and as a fan you know what what song, you know, or what type of song, or what, you know, or what lyric, you know, or what music, you know, uh, would I want to hear, you know, my favorite artist perform on, you know, so that that's something I really enjoy doing, and I hope to do a lot more of that in the future. To quote Whitney Houston, again, wow, what a moment. But wow, what a moment, I will never forget. A moment 
that is most pleasing to me in my career. Because this is such an amazing, amazing track. And the crazy part is like as big as Mary J. Blige is at the time, this is still before like the early 2000s Renaissance era. Yeah. When she drops like No More Drama and the Breakthrough album. But she's still really big at the time. Uh-huh. This is a great solid collab on this album. And I think why it works so well is because it's hip hop soul. Mm. Right? Which it's a subgenre that essentially Mary J. Blige is like deemed as like the queen of hip hop soul. So hip hop soul is like you have all these soul elements like the Aretha 70s soul elements of R&B, but you have like this hip hop backing, this hip hop beat, this hip hop sound. And this is definitely that song, mm-hmm. the hip hop beat, soul sounds. And it's like the sad lyrics, like the he ain't shit lyrics. Gotta love it. Like it's yeah. the perfect, it's the perfect R&B song and her and mary j blige mary j blige please welcome to the stage miss mary j blige and lauren hill they both sound so good together like because i feel like oh my gosh, yeah. vocal wise they're kind of similar i totally agree how'd you like working with mary it was it was an honor for me i mean she was very very special to me and special for me um listening to her music from, uh, you know, just relating to the things that she said, it just meant a lot to me. And I think that she never tried to cover up who she was or hide the pain. And even though, you know, you may put on shades and think that's covering it up, we always felt it through her music and her song. She always sang with that deep feeling. And, um, you know, that's all that you can try to be as a musician is real mm-hmm. and, um, and, and to express yourself truthfully and honestly. And I always got that from Mary and always loved her, you know. I Yeah, I just think this goes back to she knew her sound Mm -hmm. she knew the vision and she knew how to create it yeah artists take notes new artists take notes know your sound know your vision Mm -hmm. and execute it right boom okay track 10 forgive them father how do you feel i love this song like the way you felt about when it hurts so bad and you were like oh god when i was like really going like this is that song Mm -hmm. for me okay like i feel this song deep in my soul and spirit yes it is like a fire has ignited in my soul every time i listen to this song (laughs) Okay, so backstory for me, you guys know, if you've been a listener of this pod, I always reference how I used to dance, Mm -hmm. okay? And the reason I stopped dancing, it was not because I got hurt. It was because there was drama at the dance studio that I was at. And to clarify, I was not involved in any of the drama. I was not. But when the studio closed, which... I don't know if, would you say it's like normal now for dance studios to close? Not because of the pandemic, but would you say? Yeah, it's like they come and go. It's like the big ones stay. Okay, well, when I was coming up at this time, like it was kind of rare for a studio, like a dance studio to close. So when it happened, I was like really pissed Mm. and devastated. And honestly, like I still am working through the trauma of that era in my life. But I remember in the initial years of when that studio closed and I stopped dancing, I would blast this song all (laughs) the time. Like the highest of volumes on repeat for eternity. And I felt every line of this song. So when even like in getting ready for this episode, when I was listening to it, it like 
put me back oh my gosh. in that place. I was like, God, I could. I remember driving in my car and being like so fucking pissed <laughs> listening to the song, being like, yes, because like literally every single line of this album, like, oh yes, Lauren, yes, Lauren, because ultimately this song is about betrayal. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, it is. Yep. And the entire song, it's like done in the utmost shade. Mm-hmm. Like she says. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Not Lauryn Hill shading you through biblical verses, please. (laughs) (laughs) For real, for real. (laughs) Um, Wow, what a story. I feel like that's the first time you've ever... Expressed rage. (laughs) Did you see it in my eyes? Like, I wasn't even here on the Zoom with you. I was, like, (laughs) back in 2014 being like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, what is happening? This is a bop. This is a full ass bop. Like it is another amazing song. Again, it's one of those moments where I'm like, damn, Lauren Hill produced this shit. Lauren Hill wrote this shit. <laughs> wow. And she performed this shit. That's crazy. That's a am- that's amazing. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. But now by this point, I understand why people call this a hip hop album. Mm. she's had so many hip-hop moments on this album already so i understand why people are like oh this is a hip-hop album yeah i also understand why people are like this is an r&b a straight r&b album yeah because we haven't even gotten to the r&b section of the album like for real for real yeah um and i feel like this is a perfect merge between the two like it's a perfect marriage Mm -hmm. this was everything that i think hip-hop and r&b fans would love yeah and that's why it's so popular yeah I mean, they should. If you've ever felt betrayed or like the rug was pulled underneath you, this is the song for you, ladies. Like, turn it up. Turn it up. Turn it up. She has really clever writing. I mean, I know she has incredible lyrics throughout, but like this is my my favorite writing wise. Mm. Because when you're writing a song coming from feeling of like a rage or betrayal. Yeah. I think it's really easy to just start making lyrics that are very like fuck you into the void. (laughs) Ask. Yes. But there's like substance here, okay? Like she, it is very still fuck you, but there's substance here. Like she's saying like, why for you to increase, I must decrease. If I treat you kindly, does it mean that I'm weak? Whoa, mm. bitch. Why every Indian want to be the chief? Be the man till he full and he still want me. Give me three, try to tee for my piece. Why for you to increase, I must decrease. If I treat you kindly, does it mean that I'm weak? wordplay hello yes hello yes and then oh my god the bridge oh the bridge you guys (laughs) she said like cain and abel Mm -hmm. caesar and brutus Mm -hmm. jesus and judas backstabbers do this For someone to compare you to Judas, yeah, that's the ultimate insult and shade. Yeah. Yeah. Let me tell you how I really feel. <laughs> but my drop the mic moment lyrically is when she says, a friend once said, and I found to be true, that everyday people, they lie to God too. So what makes you think that they won't lie to you? So would you say this is the track that you would submit for? This is, yeah, this is the track that I would submit for Songwriting Hall of Fame. Yeah. It it needs to be part of the package. Oh, absolutely. Okay. For the songs that we've done already, what would be? Oh my gosh, it's so hard. What's your top three that you would submit to the Songwriters Hall of Fame? Oh my gosh. Mm. This one, obviously. Yeah, this even though it didn't really age that well, I would still say do off that thing. Mm-hmm. And maybe, maybe Lost Ones. That's a solid top three. Yeah. What would you submit? I would go Lost Ones. Yeah. X Factor. Yeah. That was the one I was like, is it? Is it? Yeah. And either Forgive Them Father. Oh, that's a hard one. Yeah. No, it's going to be Lost Ones. X Factor and 
Forgive them, Father. Okay. I mean, yeah. When when you're right, you're right. <laughs> yeah, facts. When you're right, you're right. <laughs> when you're right, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Track eleven. Every ghetto, every city. Every ghetto, every city, and suburban place I've been made me recall my days in the New Jerusalem. You know it's hot. Don't forget what you got. Looking back. this song it feels very nostalgic yes you know it's a song where she's being reflective about her childhood and where she grew up Mm -hmm. so lyrically it's so visual and specific yeah like she's like naming very specific things that only if you grew up where lauren hill grew up you would know like she says springfield avenue had the best popsicles springfield have had the best popsicles saturday mornings and Kung Fu. What's up? I like that part. <laughs> Saturday morning cartoons and Kung Fu. What's up? And then when she says like writing my friends names and my jeans with the marker. Writing my friends names on my jeans with a marker. They're very like visual images in your head. Right. You not only can see it, but you feel like you're there right. with her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've heard so many times when it comes to writing, like the more specific you get, the more universal it becomes right right so you don't have to be from nork which is where lauren hill is from yes in order to understand like that feeling of nostalgia yeah for where she grew up i think in general too and maybe i don't know if this is like amplified because i've just been away from home for so long but you always have a fondness with your hometown because of the details that you know. I agree. When I'm thinking like back on where I grew up, like I love knowing the places that are open 24 hours. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, You know? Yeah. I love that I know if I like go down a certain street versus like making a left here, I can get somewhere three minutes faster. Yeah. Like those are the details that make home feel like home to you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, aside from the people, of course, but (laughs) it's like the specificity of it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I really love. Yeah, it's like... The specific smells that you associate with a certain place. You know, what's funny is like when I think of home and I'm in a different country, usually the smell of fire. We were talking about this earlier or, you know, fires and so. so Oh, right. I was like, we were talking about the smell of fire. (laughs) We were talking about fires. Fires. But like the smell of fire in in Southern California, like it's so Mm. Southern California specific. I mean, not anymore with global warming, but like just like something that you just know. Right. It also smells kind of like India, too, when the fire is really bad. It smells like Delhi. Oh, okay. Yeah. This totally reminds me of like family reunions Mm. in the summer because my dad would play this while we were heading to the family reunions. So this definitely feels like family. This also really reminds me, too, to make another Stevie Wonder connection. It reminds me of Stevie's uh, Living for the City. Oh. Off of Inner Visions album from song is a boy is born in hard time mississippi Mm -hmm. and then the first line in this song is i was just a little girl skinny legs a pressing curl a boy's born in hard time mississippi surrounded by for one that ain't so pretty i was just a little girl skinny legs a pressing curl my mother always thought i'd be a star Making Hello, Stevie, Stevie Wonder. Stevie <laughs> Parallels. Who knew? Who knew? Maybe this is Stevie Wonder podcast now. We're branding. We're rebranding. Um, oh my gosh. Also had no idea that New Jerusalem was a nickname for New Jersey. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Because, fun fact, people, Lauren Hill is from Newark. 
She was born in East Orange, but grew up in South Orange. The Whitney Houston connections. Elizabeth was just the next town <laughs> over. And and to continue on that note, Lauren had just worked with Whitney prior to making this album because for My Love Is Your Love, Lauren produced yeah, um, a cover of Whitney doing Stevie Wonder. I was made to love him. I was born in Newark, is complete <laughs> yes wow and then i also just have here as a final note that my favorite kid is in this you know like of the students oh, my favorite yeah. kid is in this song <laughs> okay. really it's lawrence i love lawrence <laughs> i wonder how lawrence is doing what do you think about love come on okay Shout out to Lawrence. How are you doing, Lawrence? Come to the pod. <laughs> like, Lawrence is probably older than us. Lawrence is probably like 38, 39. Oh, Lawrence. Wait, how old how do you think these kids are? <gasps> you think they're high school or middle school? In the album? Yeah. They have to be middle school. Elementary middle or middle school. I don't think these kids are in high school. They sound... There's no fucking way they're in high school. <laughs> They sound more mature than a elementary school kid. Mm. I could see the in between for middle school. I think middle school. Like they they got to be like twelve. They're like um they're actually in college. <laughs> and we're like whoa sorry guys. Uh- <laughs> oh my god I'm I'm looking at this album very differently now. Um, no I I I don't think they're in high school. Okay so if they're like eleven. You 12, really think they would be in high school? I mean I know high school kids sound like that. Oh, yeah. But I'm saying I'm saying middle school. I, I I could I could see that middle school. So that means that they would be like 38 right now. Oh, Lawrence, oh where are you at? I hope you're listening to the pod. Shout out to Lawrence. Yeah. Oh, I love Lawrence. <laughs> love, love is just a feeling. I love Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. You just told me feel the same way like you didn't. Towards them. Okay, okay. Track 12, Nothing Even Matters, featuring D'Angelo. Now the skies could fall, not even if my boss should call. The world seems so very small, cause nothing even matters at all. Nothing even matters. See, nothing even matters at all. Nothing even matters. Nothing even matters at all. Steffi, break it down. Oh my gosh, what a dream collab. Yes. Lauren Hill and D'Angelo in 1998. Yes. Yes. I feel like this song sounds and feels exactly the way you think and want Mm -hmm. a Lord Hill and D'Angelo collab in 1998 to sound like, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Because sometimes, don't you feel like we've had instances where, oh my God, it's so-and-so and so so together, like, this is going to be good, and then they come out with a song, and you're like- shitty-ass collab, and you're like, what? What was this? You're like, what the? What was that? (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag Beyonce and Alicia Keys. (laughs) Oh, I was going to say hashtag Aretha and Whitney. Yes, that's- But fortunately for Lauren and D'Angelo, this was not the case. Like, it's it's a very, very good song. I feel like, to me, it's an understated love song. Because mm. mm. it's so, like, peaceful and mellow. But it's still, like, very cool and soulful. Yeah. Yes. Neo-soul. Neo-soul 
to the max and d'angelo is one of the kings along with maxwell one of the kings of neo soul I love this freaking song. This is this is my shit. This is easily when I say easily, easily the song I play the most from this album. Oh wow, okay. Like it is on every single playlist, RB chill playlist that I've ever created. This song is on it. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you are a fan of R&B, you know this song. Yeah. This song is just like that girl. It's a bad bitch. It's a bad bitch. It's a chill bad bitch on the album. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm going to sound like like an old head right now. <laughs> but I really do feel like they aren't making R&B songs quite like this anymore. Like the format for music today doesn't really support a song like this right because y'all quite literally half half the song is ad-libs yeah it's like they're not singing lyrics it's just ad-libbing for half the song and the song is a almost six minute song and i still could listen to this song for an extra two minutes oh, oh, oh. magic a song could go on for infinity and we don't have a problem mm-hmm. and this song these two artists they have that magic right and so yes we could sit there and listen to them do these vocal riffs for three minutes and it sounds perfect you know you know what it is is they're taking their time on this song yes. and i don't think absolutely music nowadays allows artists to take their time in this way anymore not at all and i feel like now there needs a like your song needs to be a certain bpm right yeah there's not a ton of like super chill like super super chill neil soul-esque r&b albums that are popular right now mm-hmm. they usually have a certain bpm yeah which is like mid it's a mid bpm you know right but this is easily one of my favorite songs off this album tens across the board yeah it's a it's a really 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 pretty song track 13 the behemoth it's the behemoth everything is everything When I listen to this song, there's a specific line in here where she says, I wrote these words for everyone who struggles in their youth. Mm. I wrote these words, I wrote these words for everyone who struggles in their youth. This is the reason why I didn't think Lauren was in the classroom. This is why I didn't think mm. she was a student in the classroom. Because I thought... This was a reference to the kids in the classroom in real time. Oh, that's a good way of looking at it, too. But I guess like maybe a little preview for part two. But if I was like trying to present a video concept Mm. for the album and for the song, I would if, if I was making a music video for intro, you would shoot the kids in the classroom. But then when we return, when we get to this song, and she says, like, I wrote these words for everyone who struggles in their youth. I would want us to revisit the classroom. Mm. And then maybe, like, camera pans to the left. And we see, like, little Lauren Hill Ooh. Ooh. walk into the classroom because she Ooh. was late for class. So it's kind of like she was a student in the classroom. Yeah. But she's also, like, adult Lauren Hill, like, reflecting, reflecting. on 
Yeah. I wrote these words for like not just the kids in that classroom, but also like for me because I was a kid in that classroom. Absolutely. Oh, and this album is very reflective. Yeah. Very, very reflective. So that I mean, that works. Yeah. That totally works. Like, I feel like this song, it's like the in conclusion paragraph to the album yeah it's like i've reflected but this is why this all matters now and is relevant right yeah oh okay yes yes okay (laughs) now see the way that i experienced this song it's very much a reflection of like my youth okay okay in a way that it's very nostalgic for me this is one Mm. of those songs where the video was on all the time like this reminds me of summer of 2000 2001 Mm. when i would just like i just sat in front of the tv and all it was was vh1 mtv jams mtv soul yeah like it was just videos 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 i have like so many vhs of me recording hours of music videos like Mm -hmm. everything is everything would always be played right it usually came on before no scrubs Mm. so um my relation to this song is like just nostalgia. It's nostalgic for me. I just want to say I really love the melody that happens towards the end of the verses. It seems we lose the game before we even start to play. Who made these rules? Who made these rules? We're so confused. We're so confused. Easily led astray. Let me tell you that. I love that part because I just think again this whole album is such a dynamic listen Mm -hmm. in that even within the same song yeah you know melodies can change and she like can smooth it out yes when you least expect it so again it's it's one of those things Lauren Hill created this whole thing wow what a moment but wow what a moment I will never forget a moment that is most pleasing to me in my career you know I want to say this a lot of times when we talk about the divas and then they're, they're like big hits, like they had contributions to it, but there's usually like this phenomenal producer behind it or like the songwriter. There's like people in the room with them. Right. And for us to go down this album and being like, this is a masterpiece. And then we like hitting every song. And for the exception of like two songs, we're like, yo, Lauren Hill, she did this yeah, by herself. Like, was in a booth by herself. Yeah. Lyrics by herself. Production by her. Like, what? Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, if I was Lauren Hill, I too would not come out with an album ever again after making this. <laughs> like, the work is done. <laughs> the work has been, I mean, because how can you top this? You can't. And I don't think she's the type of artist that wants to try and top it, but like genuinely put your feet up and rest because like wow you did that you know you did that you know i i never want to condescend there are a lot of people who condescend to the audience you know they they just think oh they like anything just throw a beat on it and put your voice on it but if it doesn't move me then i don't think it's worthy enough to put out there and move someone else you know what i mean like it, it 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 has to be something that is 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 personally you know is 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 something that i need personally that's my barometer for whether or not it's good for the people. Not just anything, just, you know, just make a beat, it's hot, throw it out there. You know, that, that I can't use that barometer. That, that doesn't work with me. Okay, track 14, The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill. My world, it moves so fast today. The past, it seems so far away. And life squeezes so tight. I can't breathe And every time I've tried to be What someone else thought of me So caught up I was unable to achieve Break it down. To me, this feels like a very 70s soulful piano ballad. Like, it has the classic throwback to the 70s era feel and sound. Like, you hear the crackle Mm -hmm. of the vinyl. And there's these, like, very grand piano flourishes. Oh, 
vibes. Like, this is very major Stevie Wonder vibes. It's very major Donny Hathaway vibes. It's a song for you. It's a song for you, Donny Hathaway. I have here for Donny Hathaway references, I have a song for you, but I also have Someday We'll All Be Free. It is Someday We'll Yes, girl. Like, I get the a song for you because of the piano, yes. but I feel like I can hear Someday We'll All Be Free on this. That was, yes. Then with Stevie Wonder, I'm hearing like ribbon in the sky. To share with me this special day. Well, ribbons in the sky for our love. And then I'm also hearing a bit of lately. I could see that. Yeah. Because lately has like that crackle pop. Boom, boom, boom. Yes. Boom, mm-hmm. boom, boom. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Lately I have had strangest feeling with no vivid reason here to find yet the thought of losing you's been hanging round my mind which you guys I love Stevie Wonder and Donny Hathaway so I when I hear I'm like oh yes <laughs> You know what's interesting is I don't know if did she play the piano? Was she playing the piano in Sister Act 2? I don't know. I mean, honestly, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if she is playing the piano because she's just so mm-hmm. like musically gifted and talented. And I'm pretty sure like I've listened to some interviews of Lauren Hill and she talks about her parents like really being supportive of her in the arts and like mm-hmm. letting her like do dance class and do this class. So I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if she took piano lessons as a kid. I mean, my parents, you know, really took a heavy, you know, very serious interest in my creativity from the time I was very young and not for the sake of you know, they, they didn't know what would come of it just because I enjoyed it, you know. And to me, that's a reflection of, of love when someone can see you enjoying yourself and want to participate or want to encourage or want to help you to do something that you enjoy. You know, it wasn't about making her a star. It was just, hey, she likes to do this. Let's support it. Now my mind is going down a whole other rabbit hole because I'm like, did she do the the guitar riffs on X Factor? Did she do like... How far? Yeah, I don't know. Oh my gosh. She's a one woman show. But like, okay, if she if she knows how to play the piano, I wonder if she played the piano for this song. And if so, the cascading piano in the intro, gorgeous. But if she didn't, the mind, she has like a Michael Jackson mind. Michael Jackson didn't play. Yeah. But he knew what the hell he, he wanted. And he would like, right. no, 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 you guys are off. I want it this way. So, oh, oh my gosh. Yeah, you just have like these people who are just so musically gifted. Yeah. Like they don't have to be actually playing the instruments in order to know. Yes. I want it like this. Yes. It's crazy. She, she's. Oh, she's so good. Brilliant, bro. Yeah. She, 
She's brilliant. I feel like Angie's having a moment. She's brilliant. She's just like. Mic drop episode ends. I'm everyone. Because I feel like a lot of times when we talk about artists who are like masterful and we consider geniuses, I feel like the genius conversation is very male centered. When we talk the term genius. Oh, totally. Totally. It's like, yeah. rightfully so, like Michael Prince. Stevie Wonder, right? In the hip hop space, they would say like Kanye is a genius or like Jay Z is a genius, but we never talk about the women. On this podcast, we do. We do. Lauren Hill is definitely a part of that conversation because the more we get into it, it's just like, this is not just masterful, it's genius level. Yeah. Yes. It's just so beautiful, Lauren. It really Thank is an you. astounding piece of work. Thank it is, you. It's like, it's genius. People don't use it, but it is. I love this song. Yeah. I, I really oh. love this song. <laughs> and just like, and that's my only note. I love this song. <laughs> no, I really, I love, like you said, the, the cascading piano in the intro. It's very much Donny Hathaway to me. Yeah. The flourishes of the organ mm. is like a chef's kiss. Mm-hmm. I think this is another song that should be praised for its lyrical content. Yeah. But my favorite part is the last minute 30. Lauren Hill starts belting. And I made, I made up my mind to define my own destiny. I feel like for me too, aside from the Donnie and Stevie musical references, which we love, I feel like, you know how with Everything is Everything, that was like the in conclusion part of the essay, Mm -hmm. the miseducation of Lauryn Hill. This is an important song in the concept of the album. If it's literally the album title track. Right. So this to me feels like her personal reflection part of the essay Mm. for me i'm picturing adult lauren hill going back to her hometown in newark the places she was nostalgically singing about in every ghetto every city she's now realizing it's all changed Mm. and it's gone and it's like not quite what it used to be And it's this feeling of like when you've been away from home and then you go back, it's usually because you're trying to connect with yourself and look for answers. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, I feel like this song is her having her like Wizard of Oz Dorothy moment Mm -hmm. where she's realizing like she had the power to go home all along. Wow. Will you help me? Can you help me? You don't need to be helped any longer. You've always had the power to go back to Kansas. I have. Then why didn't you tell her before? Because she wouldn't have believed me. She had to learn it for herself. But even though her home isn't quite literally what, like, when she goes there, literally, it's not what it used to be. It's still inside of her always. Yeah. Wow. And that's probably why the song sounds the way it does, because I've listened to so many interviews where Lauryn Hill has talked about growing up listening to like Stevie Wonder and Donny Hathaway and all of those great yeah. singer songwriters of the 70s. Always surrounded in music. I remember one of, one of my earliest memories was in a house in East Orange that we lived in where, it's, you know, either Sundays or Saturdays, maybe Saturdays, we would clean the house and my mother would play, you know, uh, Stevie Wonder's uh, Songs in the Key of Life, the whole album. I just remember hearing Isn't She Lovely and, you know, and pretending to iron, you know. So from a very young age, there was a lot of music. Here I am, eight, nine years old. Everybody else is listening to New Edition and whatever current, you know, uh, group is on the radio. And I'm listening to, like, Shep and the Limelights and Gladys Knight and the Pips and, you know, and all of these older groups and really loving it and becoming, you know, just in, just doused myself, doused myself in all this music and all this 
this, this musical history, and we always talk about how, you know, students who don't want to study, put your book under the pillow and sleep, but I literally fell asleep with the music, and I think there's so much of that, you know, I soaked up, even in my dreams. So if she's reflecting on her life in that sense, that's why it's going to sound like the music that she grew up with during that time. Yeah. It sounds like home to her. Okay, Steffi. In conclusion, A+. Plus. <laughs> you did that shit. Lauren, here we go. This is my essay. <laughs> you did that. There we are. Can I just say, too, this is a reflection. We've always said this on the podcast, but this is a reflection of an artist who has studied. Yes, I love it so much. Like, there is no bad thing that comes from you being studied. You guys, oh my gosh. She's a genius. She's, she really is a genius. And we've like referenced this throughout talking about this album, but it's like, it's so specific to her because you can hear the influences of a young Lauren Hill growing up in this house with lots of great mm -hmm. music from the 70s. But then you also have this woman who is coming of age in the era of hip hop. Oh, yeah. And like the marriage between those mm -hmm. two. So like in Duop, that thing where it's literally old meets new, like that's kind of what this entire album is. Yeah. Hip hop soul. Yeah, exactly. It's hip hop soul at its finest. Yeah, and it feels very Lauren Hill. Yeah. Like, when we were talking about doo-wop, that thing, and it's like neo-so versus, you know, this era of, like, bravadocious mm -hmm. hip-hop. Yeah. Like, Lauren Hill, interestingly, sits, like, if we were making a Venn diagram, she sits in the middle. Yeah. She's probably one of the few people that can actually sit in, in the, the middle. middle of that. Like, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. One million percent. Wow. In this video essay, we will be talking. Right, like... <laughs> If we had to write an essay together about this to get a good grade, we this would... This would be a phenomenal grid project. <laughs> we would be on it. Oh, my gosh. I mean, to tie into the classroom theme of Miseducation of Lord Hill. Yeah. We would be getting an A. Oh, my class. gosh. <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> We're getting to the hidden tracks. Track 15. I can't take my eyes off of you. The first of the hidden tracks. What are your thoughts? Okay, well, with this first hidden track, Can't Take My Eyes Off of You, it's a cover of the song by Frankie Valli in The Four Seasons. Mm -hmm. You're just too good to be true. Can't take my eyes off of you. You'd be like heaven to touch. I want to hold you so much. At long last, love has but oh my gosh what a cool cover yeah like i love this cover it's so reimagined for the 90s like it will speak and connect to young people but even to people still to this day because it's just the the reinterpretation is just so fresh and really really cool you're just too good to be true can't take my eyes off of you you be like heaven to touch i want to hold you so much at long last love has arrived and i thank god i'm alive you're just too good to be true can't take my eyes off of you and I just think in general, like the fact that that song could be reimagined like that and for it to still work, it just goes to show how good of a song the original was. It has this like timeless evergreen mm -hmm. quality. Yes, I agree. What are your thoughts? I will say I didn't know this was a cover. Oh, really? For years. Oh. I say for years, I quite literally thought this was a Lauryn Hill track. What was that Broadway show? Jersey Boys. You got the voice. I got the songs. We make a partnership. I think Frankie would have cut Tommy loose right then. That's what you think? 
You're not from Jersey. Jersey boy. It wasn't until Jersey Boys came out. Yeah. And like in the promo, they were singing the song. And I was like, Lauren Hill? Why are they singing Lauren Hill? Oh. And then my mom was like, nah, this is, that's an old school song. And I said, oh, got it. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Um, okay. I'm about to st- make a bold statement. Yeah. I think Lauren Hill's cover game is up there with Whitney Houston's. Okay. I'm yeah. saying that. I will say this. Whitney Houston has way more covers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So she is like the cover queen. But in terms of like able to do a cover and like make it yours. Yeah. I mean, we got Killing Me Softly with the Fugees. Right. Strumming my pain with his finger. Softly is a Roberta Flack song. Yeah. I can't take my eyes off of you. I would even put in Turn the Lights Down Low, which is Bob Marley. Turn your lights down low. And pull your window curtain. She's featured on like the new version. She's got like some iconic covers. I mean, when we talk about her solo career, obviously it's very short. Yeah. So it's hard to compare it to a Whitney Houston, Mm -hmm. but she is on that level for me in terms of like reimagining, like taking something, reimagining it making it a hit or making it a classic song right she did a phenomenal job with this cover for sure yeah that's i think that's fair to say for sure i also just have here too that it's interesting that during this period of time this song specifically was having like a pop culture resurgence because in 1999 so obviously in 1999 miseducation of lauren hill wins album of the year in february and the album of the year is the miseducation of Lauren Hill. Lauren Hill. And then like a month later, the movie 10 Things I Hate About You comes out. And the scene in that movie is when Heath Ledger is lip syncing. Can't take my eyes off of you on the bleachers to Julia Stiles. Yes, I totally forgot about that. So I'm just like, wow, (laughs) this song was really having a moment in (laughs) in 99. (laughs) You're just too good to be true. Can't take my eyes off of you. You'd be like heaven to touch. I wanna hold you so much. At long last, love has arrived. And I thank God I'm alive. You're just too good to be true. Can't take my eyes off of you. Listen to our episode on Diva Daily's 10 Things I Hate About You, Absolutely. season one. Scroll down. <laughs> Scroll. <laughs> Scroll down. But yeah, I just think that's really cool. Oh my gosh. Oh, I also have here um, additional info. Just yes. I got it off of Genius Lyrics. Yeah. So this man named Commissioner Gordon, I think he was he was probably like one of the people helping out in the studio. Mm-hmm. He said like, can't take my eyes off of you was never meant to be a commercial single. It was originally recorded for the soundtrack for the movie Conspiracy Theory mm. and ended up on the radio, became popular, and that's how it became a bonus track. Lauren called me and said she was behind and had to get it done. She didn't know how the arrangement of the song went, so we went and got a copy from Coconuts or Sam Goody. I had a little one-room 16-track studio in my apartment in Jersey. Lauren was eight months pregnant, laying on her back on the floor, half asleep, holding a handheld mic. She did all of those vocals off the top of her head pretty much in one take with the beatbox and all of that. Oh, look at Angie's face because I'm not looking at her when I'm reading this. But <laughs> mouth open, jaw dropped. Eight months pregnant, half sleep. And this is yeah. genius. Genius. Like, play with your mom. Like, this, she's a genius. What the heck? Oh, my gosh. Well, the good part about it is I think that God, you know, surrounded me 
with the right team, you know, with the team that I needed to help me exercise all of my ideas, you know. It's like, you know, I, you, you, need, you need that. You need that army. You need that force. You know what I mean? No, no man is an island, you know. So I refused to, to take all the praise, you know, for that because they were talented musicians, you know. They were talented engineers. They were talented production assistants who really, really, you know, were there, who really were there. And if I had an idea, I was able to express it and, you know, made them stay and work diligently till it was expressed. And, you know, that, that I appreciate. I appreciate the fact that if there's a will, there's a way. The last song of this album, you guys, we've come here. We've made it. Track 16. Tell him another bonus slash hidden track. Tell him, tell him I need him. Tell him I love him. Tell him, tell him I need him. Tell him I love him. Your thoughts. I love her tone on this song. I just, vocally, for me, this song is like, oh my gosh. It's it's just so pretty. Yes. I don't even, like, literally, that's all I have in my notes. It's just a really pretty song and her tone. Like, I love the way she sings that opening line. Let me be patient. Let me be kind. Make me unselfish without being blind. Oh, gosh, she just, like, really takes you in. Oh, it's so good. I'm, I'm with you. Uh, this is one of those songs that really, really showcases Lauren Hill's vocal abilities. Mm-hmm. She's in the rafters, hitting those high notes. She gets, she's getting gritty. She's floating on a lot of the the lyrics. Like her vocals are just perfect for this song. Um, mm-hmm. Again, I love like the hip hop soul element, the hip hop beat underneath the soft guitar melody. It just sounds so good. Yeah. And again, I, I spoke earlier to the influence of gospel at this time. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like this is one of the perfect examples because this song easily could be about a man, a person, or it could be a a gospel song. Right. Had I known better, all those times in church when they made me sing a song, I would have I would have definitely popped out this song mm. and sang it in church. Yeah. Because it definitely has that churchy element. It has a the reflective gospel vibes. Yeah. It's it's one of those those songs where it's like it could be a gospel song, it could be an R and B song. And gospel was really doing the same thing at the time where it was like it could be an R and B song, it could be a gospel song. Right. Reference addictive love by bb and cc winans mm-hmm. i thought that was an r&b song for years until somebody was like girl bb and cc have never done an r&b track a day in their life it's gospel <laughs> like you know yeah but i i love this as the official end to this masterful magnificent album and it's so interesting too i never realized until like having to listen to this album for diva dailies that there's so many biblical references throughout oh yes i mean we're gonna kind of get into that next episode okay but who she ended up with like she ends up dealing with the marley's um her baby daddy the, yeah. the person she's having a baby with is a marley so she kind of gets into this very spiritual place that mm. is rooted in Rastafarian gospel. It's like all these elements. And we definitely, yes, we see it for sure right. on this album. Yeah. Would you say that was part of the agenda that you had with your album? Is to, is to bring God on right. yeah, into the agenda? Yes, definitely. Definitely. I think that not enough people um, um, praise him in music. The Bible was extremely relevant to me. You know what I mean? People started to have faces. Things started to make sense. Psalms were comforting. You know what I'm saying? I mean, words of, of wisdom and encouragement that really got me through some rough times. So if I could spread that type of word or spread that information to 
you know, to, to people and have them find that same comfort and that same peace and that same encouragement, then that's definitely what I want to do. Because, I, you know, I don't make any bones about it. He gets all the glory. You know, it's not about me. I'm, I'm not out there trying to show people that, um, you know, like I, you know, like I was saying earlier, that I'm, you know, the, the multi-hat wearer and I'm so dope. It's, it's not about that. It's, you know, because I know that I'm able to do what I'm able to do because he enables me to do that. You know what I'm saying? And, and it's just me bringing out this message because he chose to give me the opportunity. You know what I'm saying? Not because I'm better than you or better than him or better than her, but because he gave me the power and the strength and the inspiration. So before we go, we have to do our top three, which at this point for me is a hard one. Oh, yeah. It kept changing. Oh, gosh. As we were talking and deep diving into each song. Mm -hmm. But let's go for it. Steffi, what is your number three? Oh, gosh. It's so hard. <laughs> I'll stick with what I have. Okay. I feel like my top three is kind of basic, but it's like... The songs were really good, though. And I don't care if they're, like, super-duper popular. Okay. Like, they're really good. So at number three, I have Doo-Wop That Thing. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Okay, my number three is The Miseducation of Lauren Hill. Oh, nice. I'm going with that one. That's that's a lovely number three. Okay. All right, number two. I have X Factor. My number two is X Factor as well. Okay. Because it is that girl. Yes. Okay. Okay. I know our number ones are not going to be the same, but number one for you. It's Forgive Them, Father. Absolutely. I, Hello. I Hello. Like, I had a very had, spiritual experience <laughs> listening to that. Still do. No, Still hits. I, I was like, if there was any other number one, <laughs> out of his shocked. <laughs> oh. um, my number one is Nothing Even Matters. It's a song I play most often. Okay. That's my number one. Yes. Yes. That makes sense. Okay. One song you'd cut. Oh, this is hard. This is hard. Maybe final hour. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'll accept that one. Okay. <laughs> I had to sit with it. I was like. Yeah. Still, honestly, hand over my heart, I wouldn't cut any of these songs, but this is the game that we're playing. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> um. One song I'd cut is Superstar. Mm, yeah. It was a filler track. Those two, they they went back to back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a filler track. Mm -hmm. Okay. Underrated Gym. Oh, God. I have like a list here. So. I've, can I just say it's hard to have an underrated gym on this album. This album is so popular. Yeah. And it feels like a lot of these songs are so popular too. Mm -hmm. But yes. Okay. Underrated Gym for you. Okay, my first pick is Tell Him, but it's like a hidden track. So I don't know if that would count. So then my second pick is Nothing Even Matters. That's a good underrated gem. Mm -hmm. Okay, my underrated gem is Tell Him. I don't care if it's an underrated track. Oh, it's tell him. okay, okay, okay. <laughs> well, Tell Him made it in. That's period. Because it's a bop. Yeah. <laughs> It's a mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay. We've officially made it to the end. Wow. <sighs> this is probably one of the longest episodes we've done in a while. And because of that, you will see that it was divided into two parts. Yes. So just know, listeners, this part one-ish episode was recorded in one sitting, even though it's divided into two episodes. <laughs> yes. We're at the two and a half hour mark, almost two and a half hours. But that's what happens when you have an album with substance. Absolutely. And it's also probably the only Lauryn Hill album we will ever talk about. Facts. So we're going to give her all of the time. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, if people want to talk to you about Lauryn Hill any further, Steffi, how can they reach you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at INN underscore MHO and in my humble opinion on YouTube. And you can find me on Twitter at Poetry Soul 3 and on Instagram at Angie.Simone. If you, if you want to get in touch with both of us, you can just go to Diva Daily's pod on Instagram and Twitter and on TikTok. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. At Diva Daily's pod on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Email us 
at divadailiespod at gmail.com. Send us a little voice message. We will definitely play it. And let's preview this next episode, which is breaking down. Well, we can't preview it, but we're going to be breaking down the era. Angie's going to be giving us all of the context with drama Drama. that was happening behind the scenes. Absolutely. It's so interesting because like when I was listening to this album for the longest time, I didn't really know all of like that background chatter Mm -hmm. and the drama between her and Wyclef and all of that. Yeah. But you don't have to know that context in order for the album to still oh yeah be really really good yeah but i think when you do it kind of has the weight like elevates yeah yeah Mm -hmm. the experience you're like oh man this is what lauren was going through when she wrote these songs and produced the album and was performing like oh my gosh the stakes were high eight months pregnant on her back yeah singing half sleep yeah god Mm -hmm. lauren hill brent was literally due like <laughs> literally do and she had a child on the way yes <laughs> so listeners if you're still here after all of this two episodes i thank you yes steffi thanks you we, we thank, thank you. you and you know what we'd also really appreciate as a thank you a rating and review on spotify and apple podcasts thanks yes preferably of the five star nature <laughs> yes. anything less Maybe keep it to yourself. No, anything less, give it a rest. Oh, wow. We did hip hop today. Oh, okay. (laughs) Wow, Lauren Hill's influence on Angie has really taken over. (laughs) Yes, but make sure you guys leave a review. Five stars is preferable and recommend the pod to a friend. And on that note... See you next week and remember divas. So the thing is, a diva has to be good at what she does. I'm every woman. It's a-